Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. All right, welcome in Cube Show podcast, a college football podcast that comes to you usually on Sundays. A lot of games this week. Took me some time to get through the film. Uh, I was down in Columbia, South Carolina and had to travel up to Charlotte and just couldn't get it done in a day, to be honest with you, with the production meeting for Read and React that you can catch tonight on the SEC Network, uh, 9 o'clock Eastern, a little bit later due to basketball. So uh, appreciate you guys tuning in as always. It's a weird weekend of college football. A um, couple things that were some big surprises, a couple things that weren't surprises, and a couple things that make next week's games pretty interesting. Going to cover them all from an SEC perspective and give you an idea about being in Columbia. Now, you know, uh, we're brought to you each and every week by Wickles Pickles, wickedly delicious. So head over to your lo- local grocery store and ask them if they have Wickles Pickles. If they don't, say, why don't you have Wickles Pickles? We need those in there. Uh, and if you can't find them in your local grocery store, you can go to WicklesPickles.com. Use promo code CUBE to save 15% on your order. Have them drop shipped. It's easy. Just do it that way if you want to and you need to. Um, we snack on them. We've got them in our house. They're amazing. We appreciate them sponsoring the show and being a part of everything that we do. Um, go to at Wickles Pickles on Instagram, too. A lot of cool things there, uh, some recipes, different ways that they use them. Uh, it's pretty fun. In Columbia, South Carolina, um, always fun being there. Love being around Coach Beamer, Dal Loggins, Clayton White, great staff, great people. Talk to Spencer Rattler for a little while. Man, what a cool conversation with him. And, and he was great in this game. And there's a couple of things I want to point out about just sort of what he's been, what he's done. But I asked him about just his growth and what people thought he was at Oklahoma, sort of that perception of him. And I asked him about body language. And he said, um, I think it's huge. I think it's massive. I think it's a big part of my position, who I am, what how people view me. Um, he said, That's, I've learned a lot about it. I've asked people about it. He said, Dal Loggins talks to me about it still. It's something that we reference. Um, it's something I'm aware of and I know has to be a certain way. It needs to be presidential because of the position that I play. And I thought it was cool to hear him say that. Just talk about how important he thought it was and how important it was to him. Because I, I think we look at those quarterbacks at different places that don't necessarily have good body language or pout or get frustrated or yell at their teammates, whatever that is. And, and it's easy to say, oh, that guy's not a leader. He doesn't have leadership. Um, but, man, he's grown up a lot. And, and it was cool talking to him about this team, his season, and he's been really impressive. Um, had another good game, 19-27, 207 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, Xavier Leggett was just massive again. Uh, the go-ahead drive. They had 25 yards total in the six possessions before that drive. Uh, Rattler went six for six on that drive. Three of those completions come to Leggett. You saw the first dig route over the middle, kind of deep. And then the little screen to Leggett. Once again, Dow Loggins did a nice job in this game of using different pieces in different places, extending the run game with quick throws. Tree gets out in front, helps him find some space. Leggett gets down. And then, of course, 
you know, he hits him over the middle for the touchdown pass, which a great job in pass pro by the freshman running back there right over the middle of the field uh, for South Carolina. They only had two scholarship backs in this game. So you had tight ends in the backfield. You had Leggett in the backfield. Like six was lined up back there. He's doing a great job at tight end also, even though they had Trey Knox back, which was big for the Gamecocks. Dal Loggins is doing a good job sort of mixing and matching, calling this thing up, moving the pocket a little bit, rolling Spencer out. So they couldn't run the ball. Mario Anderson wasn't going to get it going. Deion Walker, amazing for that Kentucky defense. 97 made a few plays. Uh, nine was in there, busting some things up. And talked to Nick Gargiulo, uh, the transfer center. <laughs> He's transferred in from Yale. And um, we were talking about uh, Xavier Leggett. And he was like, you know, he's like, I, I think – his tackle ability, he said, is, is tackle ability a word? I was like, dude, you're the Ivy League transfer. You're asking me what words are? He's a great kid, though, fun to visit with, wants to go into coaching. Um, somebody who's really kind of made the most of this season, now playing center for the Gamecocks. He played some guard, too. But they're trying to piece it together. This was just the third time in a row they've had this offensive line combination. They played eight different O-line combinations. So they're finally starting to get – a little bit of continuity there, but still weren't going to get the run game going against that front. It's a good Kentucky front, J.J. Weaver and those guys. But, you know, they found a little bit. I mean, big players make big plays and big drives. This isn't the only game that will say that. But Leggett, Rattler, must-have moments. They went and got it. Now, after that, you give Kentucky the ball back twice, which is really dangerous. Didn't love that part of the operation. Um, question the, the, the rollout, the sprint out a little bit there on third down. Like I want to milk as much clock as possible, but you're backed up. I kind of get it. Uh, I understand where you're going from there, but a huge win for Shane Beamer had Darude in the house. I got to interview him pregame, hung out with him a little bit during the game. Uh, he, he comes up to me like early fourth quarter and I feel somebody put their arm around me. And by the way, nicest guy you'll ever meet. Like no ego, no like no, none of that. Just the nicest guy ever. And I feel so I'm around looking at him. He's got the uh you know, he's got the little facial hair and he says, Man, this is effing amazing. <laughs> it's like, whoa. He bought in, man. Like I give him credit. He comes in there, he's up in the cockpit, DJing, they had him set up, he stayed the whole game, talking to Beamer after the game. Uh, he he went all in on the Willie B experience. So it was cool to see him there and got to meet him. Uh, good for him being able to do that and getting it going. Being in Columbia for me is always cool. Um, my, my cousin asked me if I wanted to go to her friend's giving. Um, so I crashed that with her and her husband. Um, they're, one of their daughters is my goddaughter. So I took a couple guys from the crew. We went over there and ate. Nice setup. Great. Thank you, Stephanie. Um, and then got to go see my grandmother, 99 years old. God bless her. She's amazing. Uh, loved being able to spend some time with her. My aunt came by, got to see my cousin, a couple cousins at the game. Um, my uncle and John came and sat in, Uncle Lori and John came and sat in our production meeting Saturday morning. Um, so it's just, it's a family affair when I go there. And it was cool to see everybody. And uh, we got a good game. We got a really good game. You know, Kentucky was competitive. They fought. I'll give them credit for that. Now six and five. South Carolina's got one more for a bowl win. We'll talk a little bit about rivalry weekend towards the end of this deal. But, you know, I just I, – I don't know how many dudes they have. Like Ray Davis makes an amazing run. That spin move was great, but then he would disappear for at times. And some of it he just wasn't in the game, so that's not on him. Ramon Jefferson showed me a little bit. Like he's got a good burst. I like how he gets downhill. Uh, and they said that they maybe want a little bit more strength, a little more power from him. But, you know, the turnovers were killer. You had the, the fumble – 
Uh, Nicky Minori gets the interception in the end zone. And I just didn't think Devin Leary ever looked comfortable. Um, you know, that South Carolina front did a good job getting some pressure. Jordan Strawn, some of those guys late. Boogie Huntley had a good game. Tonka Hemingway, um, pretty consistent with being able to affect the pocket because Leary wasn't really comfortable the whole game. He was 17 to 34, 171, a touchdown and a pick. Um, it's just fastball after fastball with him. And it's some of the touch just doesn't come. Um, you know, their center, Eli Cox, is, is managing all the protections and everything. So there's a lot off of his plate and it's still just, the consistency has not been there. And I think that's probably the big thing with Kentucky this year, top to bottom, just a lack of consistency. Linebacker play, great, and then it falls off in a game like Tennessee. Run game, great against Florida, kind of goes away against a team like Alabama. I know those are different fronts and different players, but the consistency from quarterback to understand protections, get into the right things, when you can and can use tempo. I just The offensive line, protecting, not protecting, it's – it's been a frustrating year for those guys. I get it and I understand it. And I think consistency is probably the real reason that that's happened. Um, you know, Spencer Rattler, by the way, November, I pulled some numbers. 11 games, 70%, 2,644 yards, 23 touchdowns, five picks. Um, and like Shane Beamer says, they remember what you do in November. And now that team gets Clemson at home at night to be able to go to the postseason. But Xavier Leggett, I mean – this dude, he now has uh, 1,187 yards this season. That's second most in school history in a single season behind Alshon Jeffrey. And I wanted to grab these other numbers that I saved just on him and how ridiculous he's been. Keep this in mind for Xavier Leggett. 2019, 20, 21, and 22. 42 catches, 423 yards, five touchdowns. 2023, 65 catches, 1,187 yards, seven touchdowns. And some people might say like opportunity or somebody left, whatever it was. And I know Juice hasn't been in the lineup and maybe that helps him a little bit. But when you talk to Justin Stepp, that wide receivers coach, he will emphasize to you how hard this kid worked in the offseason. Shane Beamer tells us stories about how, you know, he, he would show up at the facility at you know, 10, 11 p.m. on a Friday night, security guard wouldn't let him in. He calls Shane Beamer's like, man, tell this dude to let us in. We want to get our catches. we got to get our work in. Uh, so I, I asked Rattler about him when we visited with him. I said, what's the most ridiculous like request to go work out from Xavier? He goes, man, that dude texted me at 2 in the morning one time wanting to go catch balls in the indoor facility. He's like, i got to get my sleep. I was out. But that just shows you like what he's put into this season, and it's paying off. It's really cool to see. And you guys have heard me share his story before. You know, uh, lost his mom in high school, lost his dad right before he got to Carolina. Like he's been through a lot, and I'm just happy for him. I think I think it's awesome that he's doing what he's doing. Nicky Monori had a great game in the secondary. He had that interception, defended a pass, had nine tackles, and that was the area that I thought may be in trouble for Carolina. I thought that that part of this team could really struggle with Barry on Brown and Dane Key and those guys, and uh, they had they had a solid game. Part of that play defensively for Kentucky was they were worried about Rattler rolling to his right. And if you remember early in the first half, I think I counted seven rolls to the left. And he picked up yards actually scrambling multiple times doing that. So kudos to Rattler for either seeing that, knowing that, and taking advantage of it and being able to go make some things happen. But South Carolina's now won three straight. Um, they only rush for 50 yards in the game as a team, but they find a way to get a win. And that's what it's all about. Um, Kai Kroger, by the way, was awesome. 
Uh, I don't, you guys aren't going to hear me give props to kickers and punters too much, but he made a huge difference in that game. Um, so good on him being able to get that done. Um, as you guys also know, brought to you by Blue Delta Jeans. Go to bluedeltajeans.com. Custom premium denim. I'll have them on read and react tonight. You'll see me. I'm in the studio right now getting this done because uh, I couldn't get it done yesterday. And uh, we'll be, be getting that done here in a little bit. But I'm always wearing Blue Delta Jeans on read and react. Most comfortable denim you'll ever own. Stretchy, breathable, nice. You can dress them up, dress them down, whatever you want. Nick and the guys will take good care of you. Holidays coming around the corner. Blue Delta Jeans gift card. Make that happen for the loved one in your household. Go to bluedeltajeans.com. Tell them you heard about them right here on Cube Show. All right, uh, FIU 20, Arkansas 44, 4-7 four and seven for the Hogs. I uh, thought the D-line played good. Jeff Coat, Landon Jackson, those guys were active. Walcott, pretty good in the secondary. He had a pick, made a couple big tackles. I thought he did some good things. Uh, they run 54 times for 323 yards. They had that going. Bo Limmer had a really nice game at center. Offensive line wasn't dominant, but I thought he had a nice game. I thought the tight ends were okay. Uh, got a little bit better later. Kind of a liability early in that game blocking. Uh, KJ goes 15 to 28, 187 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Uh, now is the school's all-time leading passer, 7,921 yards, uh, most touchdowns, 69, um, passed Brandon Allen there. So he's setting all the records. And I actually had Trey Biddy on my radio show. If you guys know Arkansas, you know Trey. He does an amazing job. On my radio show in Birmingham with McElroy, and he's like, because we were talking about Pittman coming back, which we'll hit in a minute. And he, he says, well, you know, KJ has a decision to make if he's going to come back or try the NFL. I say, whoa, 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 what? Come back. He said, yeah, he's got another year. Like, I had no idea KJ Jefferson had another year. Like, no clue. Um, McElroy doesn't think he'll get drafted. So why would you not come back, make a couple hundred grand NIL, uh, lead your team again, uh, pad your stats, and go down as one of the all-time greats? Um, Augustave at running back I thought was really nice. Man, he gets downhill in a hurry. He's got a good little burst. I love seeing Dominique Johnson come in late and just be the hammer. Bigger back, bulkier back. He comes in, goes 15 for 90, had a touchdown, and like he just kind of finished that thing off. Uh, it was pretty cool. KJ ran for 90 yards too. It was a big day on the ground for the Hogs. Total yards 5'10 to 341. And what I liked about this Arkansas offense, like KJ made good decisions in the mesh. When he decided to keep it, he didn't question it. I mean, it was boom, north and south. Um, a little off on some of his throws, didn't seem super comfortable there. Um, you know, they did get 16 going a little bit, which man, we've been asking for this for weeks now. Like, try and get the speedster going and see if you can maybe make some things happen there. And finally, we saw him and he's out there making a couple of plays. But defensively, uh, you saw a lot of weird formations from FIU. Um, some unbalanced looks, some nub tight end. And, you know, running backs, different places in the backfield, two backs like stacked on top of each other, kind of like an offset eye formation next to the quarterback. And then there was a lot of just kind of, you know, quarterback reads, quarterback leave the pocket. The Q runs gave him a little bit of a problem. But it was a lot, man, because it was like tempo and then it was weight and then these formations and then quarterback run, a lot of misdirection. So, you know, jet sweeps, fake jet sweeps, orbit motions, quarterback run the other direction. Like it was the, the eye violations were a plenty for the Arkansas defense and not all on them. It's just it was a lot to handle and manage. Uh, and I think they gave them because I had FIU early in the season. I didn't see that much of the weird stuff. So I think they've added some of that maybe just for this game. And it gave the Arkansas defense a little bit of a problem. Linebackers were still solid, but just they, they got loose a couple of times. A couple of receivers they lost and 
you give up 20 points, but still you handle your business. And Arkansas did in this game. Um, as far as Sam Pittman coming back, Connor Yurichek announces Sunday that he'll be back next season. I love it. I think it's great. I think you have a, a large core of this team that can be back. And the schedule, even though it's tough, it lightens up a little bit next year. I mean, Arkansas and Carolina have traded like the toughest schedule in the country the last eight or nine years, it feels like. And I think it lightens up just a tad. You get some of these veterans back, depending on who decides they want to come back and, and play again. I, I know they're in on a couple of uh, portal offensive linemen. That's got to happen. You've got to upgrade that position. But I think Travis Williams is working. And that defense played well the majority of this year. You give them another shot in the same system. And then if you were to get K.J. Jefferson back, like you could put together a pretty good season. They need more juice at receiver. They need separation at receiver. O-line, speed at receiver would be the two things I would say Arkansas is going to have to have next season if they're going to make a little bit of a push. Uh, but either way, they get a nice win. Uh, FIU runs 23 times for 76 yards. That's the front seven played good ball. Um, Alabama 66, Chattanooga 10. Bama goes a 10 and 1. Uh, Bama's dominant defensively on third down. Milrow, 13 of 16, 197 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Bama rushes as a team 33 times for 315. They didn't ask Milrow to do a lot. Um, there wasn't a lot of creative read plays, option plays where he would keep or throw. I think the RPO game was kind of limited, which is good. I mean, it should have been a vanilla plan. They handled their business. I mean, physically, Bama dominated in the trenches on both sides. There was – now watch this in the Auburn game. Uh, later on, you saw the RPO game kind of got going. I know they're playing off. And you saw some of the zone read stuff get out in space later. Now, I don't know if Auburn's able to do that early on because uh, they're going to have to make that go the whole game if they're going to be competitive. But that is it's something that worked a little bit for that football team. Um, but Alabama was dominant. Christian Story gets a pick. Uh, I think they only had three flags, didn't turn the ball over. Backup quarterback comes in, has success. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I think they had five rushing touchdowns as a team. All the backs ran hard. Um, Jam Miller ran hard. Royce McClendon, Roydell Williams, Justice Haynes, like all the backs looked pretty good. And, you know, I, I just – Caleb Downs had that 85-yard touchdown on a punt return. He looked like another two from back in the day. The deuce was loose on that one. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of David Palmer with the spin move and whatnot. But it was just a – it was kind of a ho-hum, Bama handle their business, dominant at the line of scrimmage. I thought Jihad Campbell had a really good game at linebacker playing downhill. Um, they did what they needed to do. And that's when you win 66-10 to 10 against Chattanooga, who, by the way, has never defeated an SEC team. Um, Trey Burton, three for 105, a touchdown, solid. There's just – there's not a lot to go crazy about, and there's definitely not many things to complain about in that game for Alabama. Um, Georgia, Tennessee, man, this was, uh, this was wild. And I didn't really expect it to be overly competitive, but it was a lot different than maybe some people thought. First, I want to tell you guys quickly about prize picks, largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, easiest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just you against the numbers, pick more or less than a two to six player stat projection and watch your winnings roll in. Um, prize picks, most fun I've had. Winning up to 25 times my money this football season, you just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and then place your entry. Uh, prize picks, got a lot going on for NFL, for NBA, for college football. It's fantastic. And prize picks offers a reboot policy that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. 
So for football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Price Picks, the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Test your skills and Price Picks this football season with the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you've got the skills, turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Go to prizepicks.com slash cube. Use promo code cube. Make your first deposit up to 100 bucks and they'll match it. So you can have 200 bucks to play tonight for 100 Easy. Go download the app as well. Search Price Picks right there in your app store. Quick, just a couple taps. They use Apple Pay as well. Easy. For deposits into your account, Prize Picks is football season, the best in daily fantasy sports. PrizePicks.com backslash cube, promo code cube, and you'll save uh, or donate, put a hundred bucks in, and they'll match it, your first deposit. Um, first play out of the gate, Jalen Wright goes 75 yards for the touchdown. Great job. Cooper Mays coming off, popping backside, linebacker feeds up. He's out the gate. Couldn't make it happen again. He rushes for 90 in the game after that 75-yard touchdown run. Um, the Georgia defense, once again, suffocating. They just remove space so quickly. Uh, and they rotate guys who are dominant up front. Like it's, it's just, it's kind of wild to see. And even though they might not have a guy that's as dominant as they've been in the past, they have multiple guys who can come in and change the game, like multiple guys who can come in and do different things. I know Michael Williams, Marvin Jones were making plays up front. Uh, Warren Brinson was making some plays up front, but it's really that secondary and now second level. You see 33 flying sideline to sideline, 23 Tyke Smith comes down and runs through a blocker in a one-on-one and makes a tackle by himself. Like that kind of signified to me the day it was for Georgia because defensively, if they can do those things, you're not going to give up anything inside a uh, tough day for Joe Milton, 14 carries 66 yards did have a touchdown. Um, wasn't really going to get it going through the air. Carson Beck, 24 of 30, 298, three touchdowns and no picks. Here's the thing. So this kid basically throws for 300 yards, has three touchdown passes, and he wasn't a clean game. Like it was nowhere near one of his cleaner games. Um, he had a little fumbled snap thing early on. Uh, he missed a throw down the field. Bowers had one that he could have caught and didn't. It's just a, there's like a pressure or two early in this game. The first two series were not clean. And then it's like, we got it fixed. Boom, it's over. Okay, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to run Milton a little bit. Um, why don't we go and get uh, Dylan Bell back involved in this game? Oh, Rosemary Jack St. down the field? Sure, we'll get him going. The, the, McConkie's limited in this game, and it still doesn't matter. There's just so many weapons across the board that certain guys can even disappear, and you still have enough to be problematic. And that power rushing attack just continues to come. Like you guys have all seen the clip over on the right side of Ratledge and Amaris Mims kind of dumping one of the defensive ends. Like if that physical play keeps coming, they're going to be a big problem, like a really big problem. Uh, they've won seven straight against Tennessee. Obviously that SEC win streak now at 28 games, that continues. I mean, your total yards in this game were 472 to 277. That's ridiculous to hold that offense to 277 yards. And for Tennessee, you were just out physical in the trenches, man. Like you couldn't get movement. Um, blocking back and pulling around, like those pullers were met behind the line of scrimmage. There weren't a lot of kickouts because of how Georgia plays your pulls. They play pullers with more authority than any team I've seen this year in college football. And sometimes it can be to a fault. Like Auburn had a good beat on it. And when they came crashing down on those pullers, Auburn was already heading back outside of them. Like they hit it a little bit faster with a different design. But they just – they can rush the passer. They can blitz. They can play off. 
they get run support and they can get pressure from the secondary. Um, the O-line's pretty physical. Now they are getting a little bit dinged up here. And that's one of the things like Bowers is back. Yes, but now McConkey's dinged up. And I think Ratliff's left the game. I saw. So being a little bit dinged up this time of year, not great, but they should be fine against Georgia tech. And then obviously you get Alabama in the SEC championship game. So, um, I, I, there's not a lot of holes in this team, man. There's really not. And just because individual pieces are not as dominant as maybe we've seen the last two years, it doesn't mean collectively it can't be a little bit better because secondary definitely is. Um, and wide receiver and just, we'll say pass catchers definitely is like they're deeper across the board there and just more options. Bobo gets the Dylan Bell has a touchdown pass. You get a little trick play. And I think, I think Mike Bobo has done a great job this year of find uh, once he gets through his script, finding out how to win the game early. And if that's going to be lean on Kendall Milton, the power run game, they'll do it. If it's quick distribution, they'll do it. If it's sitting in the pocket, they'll do it. Attacking downfield, they can do it. Like they have a quarterback that's capable of doing that. And so, I mean, the only thing they might not be as good at last year might be quarterback scramble. That ain't winning you a ton of games. I mean, it's helpful, but it's not like it's, that's what wins games for you. It's just not. So impressive win for Tennessee or for Georgia over Tennessee. They get to 11 and 0. Tennessee goes to 7 and 4. Tennessee 2 of 11 on third down. Just, I mean, it's, you could not, offense couldn't stay on the field. And it was a problem. It was a big problem. So nice win for Georgia as uh, they try to finish an undefeated season. Only two teams, by the way, in the history of the SEC have started 11 and 0 three times, Alabama and Georgia or three consecutive seasons. And Georgia's done that now. They're in the middle of it. All right. Um, Ole Miss takes down ULM 35 to three, 498 yards to 258 yards for Ole Miss. A little bit of a sluggish start. They get to nine and two. It's a really good year. They got a chance to get 10 wins in the Egg Bowl. I'm on the call for the Egg Bowl. I can't wait. I've wanted to do this game for so long. I'm so excited to be a part of it. Um, Jackson Dart, 24, 31, 310, three touchdowns, no picks. Quinshawn, he only had 65 yards, but he had a couple of really nice runs. And they were using him downhill early. And I think that kind of opened up everything else. Now, Dart had the two fumbles. The ball security is a little bit of a concern. Here's another concern. The Ole Miss offensive line's beat up. Louisiana Monroe gave you a lot of stunts and pressures. So twists, three-man games with pressures coming. It was not passed off very well. It was not managed very well. It was not picked up very well. I know what the final score was and the stats are on offense, okay? Yes, Dayton Wade, seven for 108. Okay, I get it. Third hundred yard game this year. Trey Harris had the ridiculous touchdown catch, sixty three yards on four catches. Um, I I understand all that, but the ball security, the one where Dart's dropping the back, knocks it out of his hands, like all that stuff has got to improve. But first and foremost, the offensive line continuity has to be good in this game because State's going to give you a lot. They're going to move. They're going to stem before the snap. They're going to slant. They're going to twist. The backers are going to blitz, and some of it's going to be nonsensical. Some of it happens and you say to yourself, like, why would you pressure both A-gaps there on that play? Or why would you bring that much pressure on a third and 16? It doesn't matter. Now, where Ole Miss has big advantages is down the field athletically. And we'll talk a little bit more about some of those games. But that offensive line's got to be good in this game because there are guys up front like Jet Johnson, Bookie Watson, um, Crumity, and those guys. Like, they can, they can take over a game. They can be a real problem and they can dominate you. And you're going to be on the road, so if a couple of those things start to happen, that's a big problem. 
So I'm just interested to see if that group can can play well. And if they don't, maybe what happens, tempo could probably offset some of that. So I would expect Ole Miss to go really fast in that game because then you don't allow new calls to come in. You don't allow them to realign. They're a little more stationary where they line up, and that helps you in sorting all that stuff out. But a good win for Lane. He's got a chance to get to 10 wins in regular season again, man. Like, it's really cool what he's doing. He's doing a great job. And Ladarius Tennyson was great on defense. Like, I remember we had him early in the season against Georgia Tech, and Pete Golding tried to tell us, like, Ladarius Tennyson is our big nickel. He's the fastest player in our defense. He's got to make a lot of plays for us, and he's been doing it. Six tackles, one and a half tackles for loss in this game. Like, he's blitzing. He's playing off the edge. He's in coverage, one-on-one tackles. 13 does a lot for that defense. He does. He does a whole lot. He's a really good football player, and he's valuable. Um I can remember talking to Travis Williams about when he recruited him, just saying what an athlete he was and you know what kind of a player he thought he could be, and he's turning out to be that. The defensive ends for Ole Miss, I thought, had a good game. Cedric Johnson, Isaac Uku, those guys rushing off the edge. Um, you know, they did lose uh, a couple of RPOs. There's a couple of times quarterbacks kind of got out in space and some of the zone read stuff. Uh, contain was lost at times a little bit, but I mean, you handle 35 to three, you handle your business. It's, it's even if there are some things that you didn't like because of who was playing and how you were playing, you're not going to get overly upset about it. It's a good win for Ole Miss. Uh, Mississippi State takes out Southern Miss 41 to 20. Now, this one interesting because Will Rogers is back 12 to 27, two touchdowns, no picks. Woody Marks is back. Not a huge day for Woody, 12 for 34, but keep in mind with Woody Marks being in the game. He's one of their better football players they have when he doesn't have the football. That's where his value really increases. He's a good running back, really good running back. Kind of had the stretch play going for a minute, and then some of the downhill stuff immediately off of that. So you get the defense flowing, then you hit. Darbill Johnson had a really nice pull one time. Uh, Probably going to make the block party tonight on that one. Uh, Cole Smith had a couple of nice blocks. He did some good things. But the offensive line was still a little bit hit and miss, just inconsistent up front and you want that group to just kind of learn how to play together consistently. Um, Will Rogers, I'll say this. Um, did it look like he was short arming a couple balls? Yeah, it did. Um, arm strength, maybe not where you're used to it being. No, but the operation of the offense much better. Just how things were handled at the line of scrimmage when the ball needed to get out quick. It did. Understand, you can tell he's getting him into the right run plays at times. It just, the offense automatically had more balance. And that's him operating it. He can handle it. Even if he can't make all the throws, he can handle it. And he told us a while back for that Arkansas game, he's like, we saw him in the hall. He's like, I'll play in the egg ball if my arm's falling off. Like, he's going to play in that game and now you'll get him. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see exactly what he's capable of doing when they kind of have to cut it loose against a team. Jeffrey Pittman, 10 for 98. I love the way he runs. I mean, he, puts that foot in the down and gets downhill in a hurry. They win the turnover battle 2-0. Um, Xavier Thomas and Tulu kind of got going early. I like that. I like seeing them involved, but they combined for seven catches for like 98 yards, I think. Five carries, 20 yards combined, more touches. That's all I'm going to say, more touches. Um, the Mike Wright experiment, I know you have to use him. He's dangerous, and you want him in the game. But still, just situationally versus substitutionally is all – that's what, it, in my opinion, it needs to be. Uh, but I'm excited to be on that game, man. Uh, 45 carries for 238 yards for Mississippi State. Southern Miss ran 41 times for 105 yards. 
the front was dominant. Uh, what did Bookie have 21 tackles in this game? Jet had 18 tackles in this game. Uh, DeMonte Russell was good up front for Mississippi State. Corey Ellington at safety still, he's, he's playing good ball this year. He comes down and helps and does different things. I mean, hell, he'll set the edge or rush off the edge for him, basically playing defensive end. So, um, they're still playing hard. And I mean, give, give coach Knox credit, man. He comes in there on the four wheeler and that place is going bonkers. Uh, I can't wait to see what he's got for this week. It's going to be amazing. Um, and just that atmosphere is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that one. Texas A&M, um, they handle Abilene Christian. And I got some, <laughs> I got some thoughts on this one because you get the win. You take the win. You be happy with it. You move on. Uh, 38 to 10, A&M goes to seven and four. Ruben Owens, 18 for 106. Man, I love watching that kid run. He is like, he's almost a little Darren McFadden-like. And D-Fad is one of the best running backs I've ever seen in person. So I don't really, I'm, I don't like that comp just because D-Fad was special. But he's got those long legs and that long stride. And like, he feels like he gets to full speed very quickly. He's not afraid of contact. I like watching Ruben Owens run the ball. First 100-yard game for him this season, well, in his career because he's a freshman. Moose, four for 104, a touchdown, the ridiculous one-handed catch, and then leap. That's insane. Uh, got a touchdown, grab two. How about his first 100-yard game this season, receiving? that? I, I know he's been a little dinged up, but that was just weird. Six tackles for loss for that front. Once again, take your pick, two, five, ten, three, 34. They all made plays and disrupted. They were great. Um, you know, Jaden Henderson, 16 to 23, 260, two touchdowns and a pick. I thought last week the plan suited him very well. This week, maybe not as much. I didn't think as much of it leaned towards his skill set and giving him better chances to succeed. Um, some of the drop back and rollout stuff didn't need as much of it, I didn't think. Here's where we have a problem. Lane Robinson had a couple good blocks in the game. But when this team goes to slide protection, and keep in mind, there are different variations of it. It's not all the entire line takes one step left or one step right, and you gap the protection. It can be center, left guard, left tackle, they slide. It can be right guard over, they slide, and you lock the right tackle, vice versa, whatever. So there's three-quarter slide, half slide, full slide, all variations of it. There were probably four or five times in this game when you ran slide protection had a free runner at your quarterback. Folks. That shit can't happen. I don't know another way to say it, and it kind of starts getting me angry talking about it. Slide protection is a fallback plan. It is quick protection. Now, were there times a quarterback could get the ball out? Yes, but not a free runner in the A-gap. You always block the nearest threat. Always. It's the first thing you manage. Always manage the nearest threat first. If you got a guy coming in the A-gap, a guy coming off the edge, one person to pick them both up, you take that A-gap defender first every time. That never changes, ever, never in football, not one time. Free runners through the A-gaps multiple times when you're running slide protection. I get it. Young quarterback, new quarterback, I hadn't been in, fine. Hell, slide everybody then. And whatever comes off the edge comes off the edge. And I, some of it could have been the back going the wrong direction. Some of it could have been confusion between quarterback center and how they're designating certain things. Whatever it is, though, get on the same page because it was happening last week, too. But to be at week 11 or 12 and you cannot execute simple slide protections, it is egregious. 
And it's not just effort. And it's not just busted assignments. It's the protection being called against what the potential pressure packages are. It's awful. It cannot happen. And it makes me mad sitting here talking about it. I'm going to be honest with you. It's gross. So you get the win, good. You get the seven, you can get eight against LSU maybe. But holy hell, man, I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. So that's got to get fixed if you're Texas A&M from a protection standpoint. Just not, not going to work. Um, all right, Florida goes down to Missouri, 33-31. Uh, first and foremost, this Florida put up a better fight than I imagined that they would. November 18th, Florida Gators in Columbia, Missouri, 45 or something degrees at kick. Like I, I just did not think that that would go well. Uh, I, I didn't think that that was going to be something that was a good game for Florida, a good good situation for them. They go to five and six. I get it. I understand. Now you get Florida State with a chance to be bowl eligible. I think they can be competitive in that game, especially with Jordan Travis out. We'll see. Uh, Missouri gets to nine and two, gutsy win, hell of a win. Big players make big plays in big moments. Brady Cook, couple big throws. Luther Burden, great job pulling off that route, sitting down in space. Brady Cook told me, "Hey man, like I, I knew he was sitting down. When he sits down, like you throw him the football, and that was it." Um, I thought actually the twelve yard gain right before the field goal was just as big, and not a lot of people talking about that one because. That took it from, I think, a 46 to a 30-yard, something like that, 43 to a 30-yard field goal. That's a lot different um, for me just to be able to go out there and blast that thing through. He hits what ends up being the game winner. Brady Cook goes 20 to 34, 331. Touchdown, no picks. He was great. Made good decisions in this game. I thought he did a good job managing things at the line of scrimmage. Um, didn't try to press anything, didn't force things. Cody Schrader, 23 for 148, seventh 100 yard this game. That's the most in the SEC. Burden, nine for 158. I mean, there you go. That's your big players making big plays. I thought the front for Missouri was great. Uh, now you gave up some rushing yards. I understand. Mertz goes for 183 before he gets hurt. Two touchdowns and a pick. Max Brown comes in, kind of running for his life. His legs kept him alive. Um, but Montrell and ATN, 85-82 yards apiece. Ricky Pierce all three touches. He had a big play on one of them, 121 yards. Like, he's got to get the ball more. I'm sorry. Ricky Pearsall needs the ball more. Florida outrushes Missouri 261 to 177. They were only eight yards down in the total yards, 308 to 300. Now, you know, it's, it, was, it was a hard-fought game. Like, I thought – I thought 94 for Florida made some plays. 20 at linebacker came up physical, made some plays. But some busts on the back end and, and maybe just a little bit too aggressive defensively. I mean, I, I, there was a couple of Missouri runs that were handed to them because you, you get a run twist and you don't fill that gap and it's just hits right off tackle and it's gone. Um, I like the way Missouri altered the run game a little bit. It wasn't just stretch play, stretch play, stretch play. They would cut that backside off and run duo or get like a zone cut that would hit. But that offensive line is playing really good football. Armand Mimbu and those guys, Javon Foster, probably not getting enough credit for how well they're playing. They kept Brady Cook pretty clean, and they opened up run lanes. Tight end, Van Fleet, giving him some really good reps this year. He's helping a lot, had a big catch in this game. Um, this was just gutsy, man. Missouri being at home, finding a way to make some plays late, and Florida put up a good fight, but it just wasn't enough. And this, this should be another indicator that Florida's close. You turn it over a couple of times, 
They're not good on third down in this game. I think they were five of 11 on third down. Like, there are things that are there for the taking for this Florida team, but just don't have the right guys to be able to make those plays and get over the hump in certain areas that they need. So, um, I, I think Billy should be fine. I think he should get another year. I'll be interested to see what Mertz wants to do now with this injury, especially, but maybe dial down the aggressiveness defensively, find your playmakers a little bit more often on offense and be able to let them create more. Um, but the execution of most of the things, especially when Mertz was in, were fine. It's just uh, defensively, you got to find a way to get a few more stops. All right. Um, Auburn goes down to New Mexico State, 31-10. Uh, this was ugly in a lot of ways. I've heard every side of it from a lot of different people. This is on the coaches. They weren't ready. They weren't prepared. When you don't know what to do, you slow down. Bullshit. I had a lot of plays in my career I didn't know what to do. I still go hit somebody, and I can do it full speed. I've seen a lot of linebackers, a lot of safeties, a lot of receivers, a lot of running backs not know what to do and do it full speed. There's not a lot of full speed in this game. Not a lot of full speed in four quarters of football from a lot of guys. For some, there were. Rivaldo Fairweather, great effort. Eugene Asante, great effort. Hell, Peyton Thorne had really good effort. 15 of 19, 148, touchdown, no picks, ran 17 times for 38 yards. Um, Drakez Hunter, 8 for 27. The team rushed 26 times for 65 yards. New Mexico State rushed 37 times for 213 yards. This was a, uh, this was a bad plan. This was an underestimation by a lot of people, coaches and players. And this was poor effort. You can't tell me it's not on the players. You can't tell me it, it wasn't about effort because when I see offensive linemen tiptoeing off the ball, no deliberate steps, just <laughs> it's not on coaches. Those kids know what to do. When I see pad level almost standing straight up in the majority of plays, they go through the shoots. They know what to do. When I see defensive ends crashing inside, knowing you have contained, it's not on a coach. You know what to do. It wasn't good effort. There, it lacked intensity. And it was weird. When I watched New Mexico State's plan offensively, I kept thinking to myself, that's what Auburn should be doing. The way they did things, move the pocket, quick throw, take free grass, then come back with the run game, misdirection run game. New Mexico State is a good football team. I tried to warn you guys last week. Diego Pavia is tough as nails. They got a bunch of dudes on that team that do not give a single F. They will hit you. They will fight you. They are physical. They got receivers who make plays, catch 50-50 balls. That's what they are. They take on the personality of their head coach, and their head coach is hardcore. He's hard-nosed. They're a well-coached team. Uh, Auburn 2 of 10 on third down. Not great. Nehemiah Pritchett made some plays. Keontae Scott made a few plays. Keldrick Falk made a few plays. Uh, Eugene Asante, I mentioned him, made a couple plays. But that defensive line, not enough. Not enough. Uh, and it's got to be more than Rivaldo Fairweather catching the football. Drops, routes cut off too early, no run after catch. Now, your opportunities on offense were very limited. Very limited. 
Like the extra yards in this game. Auburn had six return kicks for 76 yards. Like couldn't find anything extra there. Um, it was just gross, man. It really was. And, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say coaches need to be fired or heads need to roll or Hugh can't get it done. I mean, this is, it's, it's bad. It was ugly. Um, bothers me to see it. But there are a lot of false narratives that are going to come out of this. You can get guys that'll say strictly on the coaches, can't motivate. You're going to get guys say strictly on the players. It's not. It's collective. It's everybody in that building. Because there's not one player that lost it. There's not one coach that lost it. It's collective. And then there's this narrative floating around about, well, oh, Hugh Freeze was out recruiting and he wasn't there. Oh, there's there's players that looked at their teammate next to him and said, we 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 can we're going to get this game no matter what. Let me tell you, as a, as a former player, and I've asked a lot of other former players, not even at Auburn, at other schools about this. There's never a conversation that takes place when someone says, hey, we don't have to play hard this week. Won't that be fun? Hey, let's go half-ass it this week. Is that cool? Nobody says that. Because Saturday is not what beats you. What beats you is Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And when you half-ass those days, that's what shows up on Saturday. When you don't give full effort into your film study, and you don't give full effort in practice, and you're not paying attention to your coach, and you're not paying attention to the film that you're watching, and you're not paying attention to what the guys next to you are doing, and you're not paying attention to what the looks are going to be, you're not paying attention to what defenses they're going to run. That's where it catches up to you. Because if you run routes half speed in practice, you're going to run them half speed in the game. It's not really hard. And I know for a fact that there are members of that staff that were concerned about it through the week and that were concerned about it Saturday morning. And look what you got. There's also another part to it that I don't know if I discuss it here, but head-to-head that I do with Simone Biles on AL.com, Simone Biles, Simone Eli. Uh, I talked about it a little bit there. Think about this. Arkansas went into that, Ar- into that Florida game, pure desperation mode. Coach was going to get fired. Had to save him. New offense, dump everything. Emotionally, they come back at home, probably exhaled. <sighs> what do we all do after we exert, 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 exert? <sighs> we exhale. It's human nature. You have to. Oh, Auburn loses to Ole Miss. What? Desperation mode. Backed into a corner. Painted into a corner. Got to fight our way out. Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Arkansas. You do that time and time and time again. You hear Coach Saban say this all the time. It's hard to get your team up every week. It's about us. It's not about them. And while I will say some of this game was about them because I respect New Mexico State, I respect Jerry Kill, I respect Diego Pavia, I respect that coaching staff. I've called one of their games this year. I've seen them in person. They got some MFers on that team. This was also a lot more about Auburn than it was them, in my opinion. So I think that's part of culture. That's part of leadership. That's part of just want to. And keep in mind, too, like some of this is where we're heading in college football. Like how many kids on the team care to win for Auburn? I don't know the answer to that. 
but I know in a lot of places right now, that's a problem. I mean, Kentucky's got a little bit of that going on right now. Do they care? How much do they care? Do they care about the guys next to them? Do they care about the right things? There are a lot of teams that are struggling to find that right now. This doesn't mean Hugh Freeze can't get it done. This doesn't mean there's a culture problem. You can be mad that he says the talent's not where it needs to be, but it's not. Auburn's still a more talented football team than New Mexico State. No matter how you want to spin that, no matter how you want to try to reshape that puzzle. That's just the reality. Um, the unfortunate part is this will stick. This will be one that people point back to and say, oh, you lost to New Mexico State. Oh, remember that New Mexico State game? Oh, remember you blew that one? Because, hell, they were close to losing to Jacksonville State, and people bring that one up. They lost to South Florida, and people still bring that one up, and that turned into be a program that was on the rise at the time and did some really good things. And I've had pe- people call me radio show this morning. You on team went three and eight. You lost games. Not like that one. I didn't. Nope. Had the dogfight against App State. Thankfully, Leard came in. We won that one. Yes. Dogfight against Central Florida and Dante Culpepper. We won that one, though. Not like that. Let me give you a couple things here real quick. Quickly on this one. Um, largest upset loss in the last 45 seasons. Largest SEC favorite to lose a home game by double digits the last 45 seasons. That's since the FBS-FCS split. 78. Uh, outgained Auburn 414-213. Worst yardage differential by a non versus a non-power five opponent in the last 20 seasons. That 201-yard differential worst by a power five team versus a conference USA team since 2011. Ah. So, I mean, this happened to Freeze last year. It's happened to him three straight years. Only coach that's ever happened to. It also happened to Spike Dykes and Bob Stoops. It can happen to good coaches. And that is uh, losing to a team as a 24-point or more underdog. It's not good. I, I mean, I can sit here and talk about it to her blue in the face and cry about it and moan about it. How they respond will be interesting because there should be no issues with motivation for the next one. But do you lay down? Do you want it? Do you, are you already defeated? I don't know the answers to those questions. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it plays out. And then finally, um, LSU 56-14 over Georgia State. Goodness gracious. This kid, Jaden Daniels, man. Um, 25 of 30, 413, six touchdowns passing. 10 for 96, two touchdowns rushing. Neighbors, eight for 140, two touchdowns. Brian Thomas, four for 103, a touchdown. Kyron Lacey, five for 101 and two touchdowns. Whoo! Whoo! Fifth game that Neighbors and Thomas have both been under over 100 yards receiving in a game. The only LSU combination at receiver to ever do that. Think about that. Uh, Jalen's now first SEC player with six passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns in a game. Second SEC player ever with 3,000 and 1,000 passing rushing yards in a season. Um, Jaden Daniels should win the Heisman Trophy. It says most outstanding player. Uh, first off, I'll just say the Georgia State plan, very weird. Um, wait, bleed the clock, um, quick outlet throw, fade, second half, Throw in some quarterback run off zone read. I, it, was an, it was an odd plan. And they found a few yards. They found some things. Um, Jordan Jefferson, 99, big game, physical. Dominated that offensive line. Harold Perkins got a couple pass rush moments late. Um, 30 did some things, made some plays. 
it was ho-hum, man. The offense stole the show. And it, the trophy says most outstanding player. That's what it says. Most outstanding player in college football. So let's think about outstanding. I haven't looked that word up. Maybe we should. But when you're talking about being a dynamic runner, Jaden Daniels leads the nation in yards per carry. He's been sacked 20 times. Leads the nation in yards per attempt. Still with 20 sacks. So if it's big throws down the field, touch passes, if it's laser balls in between that have to be fit in, he can do them both. He's done them both. Making guys miss in the open field, running away from DBs, he's done that, done it all. There's not something from a quarterback perspective he's not doing and doing as well or better than anybody else. And there are not other guys, let's just say Knicks and Penix, because I think that's all it is left. There's not a lot that they're doing better than what he's doing. You know what they're doing better than what he's doing? Their defenses are playing a little bit better. I'm not going to punish the kid because his defense played like shit for a couple games. I'm just not. Here's a couple on Daniels. You ready for this? Where is it? Here it is. I pulled these for you, too. Uh, 417 yards per game total offense. That's 81 more than any other player. 82 plays of 20 or more yards this season. 21 more than Caleb Williams, who's second. 20 passing touchdowns on throws of at least 20 yards down the field. Five more than any other player. He's completed 68% of his throws of at least 20 yards downfield. No other SBS players over 55%. He's at 68. 13.8 yards per attempt when throwing on the move. That's the most in the FBS among players with more than 10 passes while moving. Um, the guy's ridiculous, man. He is the most outstanding player in college football this year. It's not his fault that he's not on one of the best five or six teams. So be it. And by the way, go look up his numbers and losses. Been pretty damn good. So appreciate you guys tuning into the show. Please subscribe. Click like on YouTube right now if you're tuned in. Um, we'll be back next week, rivalry week. Um, I'll be working the Egg Bowl Thursday night. I think for Mississippi State, got to find a way to manage the athleticism by that Ole Miss football team on the back end. So you cannot be overly aggressive. But some of what you do up front can have success because I've seen Ole Miss struggle with it and that offensive line's beat up. And Will Rogers has got to manage it extremely well. Being at home will be big. Auburn's secondary can cause some problems. Allow them to add an extra defender up front, maybe do more with pressures, maybe extra bodies against the run. I do not see how they move the football, not against that defense. But maybe Hugh can pull something up and, and get it going. I, I, I don't know. Uh, Kentucky's got to find some consistency on offense, really across the board. But Jack Plummer can be hit. Jack Plummer can be knocked off schedule. Uh, Deion Walker and company going to have to be big and have to do that. Ray Davis has got to get going because I don't, I just don't think that offense gets going if he doesn't get going. Uh, South Carolina gets Clemson at home at night. Great spot to be able to get bowl eligible. The offensive line, you know, Tree and Gargiulo and those guys, they've got to manage that Clemson D line. Because that Clemson D-line can still rip. They're really good. And that's a young Carolina offensive line. Spencer can go win this game, though. Like, South Carolina has the pieces to go steal this game and take it. And Klubnik has shown he'll give the ball back. So Tonka Hemingway, uh, Jordan Strawn, Boogie Huntley, those guys got to be big, big in that game.
But I think Carolina can win that game. I'll, I'll, I'll pick South Carolina to win that game right now. At home, at night, Rattlers kind of going away party. I think, I think they win it. I think they do enough up front because the offensive coordinator is good enough to understand how to offset some of that. And they're not going to have to limit Mario Anderson. Hell, just let him go. Just go. Don't have to worry about that anymore. Trey Knox is back. He'll be good. Um, just trying to quickly see like what else we have for rivalry week. I think LSU will be dominant against A&M. LSU probably get home between Jefferson, Mason Smith, Harold Perkins, and the way that they protect. Um, I don't think A&M can have a lot of success moving the football. And LSU's offensive line is pretty damn good. And they can do just enough against a really good defensive line to allow that receiving core to get loose. And then obviously with the movement that Daniels has, I think he'll be able to create some and be able to find some big plays. Uh, not worried about Georgia and Georgia Tech. Florida, can they? Yes. Will they? Eh. Got to find out how to be a little bit more responsible defensively. And even without Jordan Travis, you know, they still have a pretty good offensive line. They have great receivers, great back, and a good defensive line that could be problematic. I could see Florida getting the stretch play, though, and get going and have some success. But I would imagine Florida State's going to add to the box and try to make that a little bit more of a problem. Um, I don't know about Arkansas and Missouri. I, I do think Landon Jackson and those guys can – the front seven, the linebackers, Chris Paul and those guys, I think they can slow down the rushing attack. But it's Luther Burden and those guys on the back end, like they're going to have to have a big day there, and that's where it could be problematic. Don't know about that. So it's always fun, man. I'm excited to be on the Egg Bowl. I'll be back next week. It'll probably be late again because I'm taking my family to the Iron Bowl. My kids and I have never gone to an Auburn game together, so we're excited about that. Wife's going. It's going to be cool. Go take in that atmosphere. And I always appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Please check out our sponsors. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to this, and we'll be back next week. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.